eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. to the Bama Online Podcast, this one on a Tuesday, April the 19th, 2022. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. This time, a T. Watts and TR edition of the pod, and that means site publisher. Tim Watts joins us on a gorgeous Tuesday, it looks like, for much of the Southeast. And we've got A-Day 2022 and the Associated Spring Football Drills that led up to that to talk about with Tim today. We're going to get into some hopes. We're going to get into a little bit of everything, right, Tim? Absolutely. Hope so. Absolutely. We always tend to do that. Uh, A little bit of everything. Hey, let's start with Alabama football because we did just put a wrap on 2022 spring practice for the Crimson Tide. Nick Saban's 16th run through spring drills at Alabama, Tim. There was a time, Tim. When we were told there was no way, no way he would go, what, seven or eight spring practices with Alabama. Now we're at Sweet 16, Tim? Well, it was LSU fans and Miami fans telling us that. So <laughs> Texas. Would, yeah, 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 absolutely. So a lot of people that didn't actually know Nick Saban, um, I think, told us that. Obviously, he's found a home, felt pretty comfortable doing it. Uh, still very entertaining. I love the, the spring game with walking around talking to saving and stuff so very engaged and um and still you know still on it pretty good out there still on those guys and on their mistakes so yeah uh, as long as nick saban's getting pissed during a spring game you should feel good about uh uh, him still having a little bit of that fastball i guess right oh absolutely yeah absolutely and i think it half you know the half of that game he was you know he looked pretty perturbed and then when when he was interviewed at half i think he was much more uh relaxed than they expected i think they thought they were getting a they're about to get a uh, halftime of an SEC game tirade, which didn't come. But uh, very interesting. Yeah, it's fun to watch. I mean, you know, glad they got it in before the uh, the weather kicked in so bad. Got a, got looks at a lot of guys we wanted. We've been wanting to see. So got good looks at the you know the young quarterbacks. Obviously Gibbs. Um, you know the the wide receiving core. So a lot to be excited about. Yeah, we're gonna stick with the offensive side of the ball on this post spring practice podcast with you today and so we'll start with those quarterbacks and you know understanding the situation that Bryce Young was confronted by on Saturday with those edge rushers being who they are and Will Anderson Chris Braswell emerging 
certainly Dallas Turner looking like he's taken another step physically and in terms of maybe even broadening his uh, toolbox when it comes to pass rush acumen. Um, what did you think of Ty Simpson as an early enrollee and Jalen Milrow as a second year guy? What were your thoughts on that position in general, Tim? No, I like what I saw. I thought Milroy Milroy had more of a chance to uh, to showcase his ability. I don't I don't know if Ty got off as many passes as he did, but Jalen got some down the field. Um, it's sort of be expected. I mean, Ty, you know, he's a good athlete. Ty, both of them are really good athletes. Both of them are able to pull it down and run. I think when you're brand new, that's your first spring game, uh, your first you know SEC level competition. I think he was quick to pull it down and run with it. He displayed that athleticism we like. Um, didn't quite get to see his arm as much. Jalen, we saw he got you know got some balls down the field. Uh, still a little wild and erratic with his with his throws. I think still a work in progress. But man, there's a lot to work with with him. You know that the long run he had. He's just a big, physically gifted athlete as well. Um, Ty's not as muscled up, not as yoked up as Jalen, but he's that same caliber of guy who can run. You're gonna see them able to run more, a little bit bigger than Bryce. But really impressed by both the young guys. Yeah, the quarterbacks kind of look like they had spent the previous 14 passes being forced out of the pocket or stepping up into the pocket because of the pass rush being what it is. So I wasn't all that surprised to see those guys maybe a little bit early in the in the in the play uh, look to for some exits at times. To and, and what I like though was that they they still tried to make plays with their arms. It's not like they just you know, gave up on plays. Um, they just did what they, they had to do to keep plays alive. A lot of times, especially when you got the touch rules in effect, right. With the yeah, sacks and things like that. Like the defense was cheating. Cause they were just, just blindly rushing in from the edge. I'm talking from Will Anderson yeah. to Des Moines Kennedy, Jeremiah Alexander, Braswell, Dallas Turner. It was just every play was, was third and 17 apparently. So yeah, when they pulled it down and ran up the middle, we saw the success um, but they were coming off that edge crazy. I was watching the rewatching the game last night. Saw Demoy Kennedy come in there, um, you know, beat uh, beat uh, one of the I think he beat Latham or Rockermeyer off the edge. Um, but again, they're just pinning their ears back and go flying in. There was no threat of the run game really for the most part um, to to keep those guys honest. But very very good showing. How about the receivers in the game? We can even include some of the tight ends with that. Robbie Oots at tight end, Cam Watsu at tight end. Uh, big day for Christian Leary. Nice to see him step up as uh, a dynamic playmaker. But just when you consider spring in general, about what you expected out of Jermaine Burton coming in from Georgia, uh, some good things for Jojo Earl, I think, over the entirety of spring. He had a couple of drops on Saturday, some tough conditions for the passing game to deal with. Uh, we know about Treshawn Holden uh, at this point, Aaron Anderson coming in, Kenrick Law. What did you see there? Yeah, I felt like they did a good job. I, you know, again, JoJo did drop a pass, but you know, Gibbs dropped a pass as well. Passed mm-hmm. well out of the backfield. Nobody's really, you know, beating him up like they are about JoJo. He had a couple of nice plays. He had a really nice play where he came back to the ball. Bryce scrambled to the sideline, found him across the field. That's that kind of that kind of that kind of uh, safety blanket. If he could be that sort of mechy role that we've talked about so much, that was so big for Bryce last year when he had to improvise and to find Mechie who kept working to the ball. Jojo could work into that role. It would be huge. But yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Burton a little bit more, but they kind of know the player he is. Um, and again, there just wasn't a lot of time to throw the football that much. I was impressed 
with Leary. He's been a guy that we've loved from day one. I sort of, you know, I really thought as a true freshman, we'd see him on the field more. I thought special teams would be a good place for him. The guy's got speed. Um, he looks the part. If you see him out there, he looks like a million bucks. So he made a couple of plays. That was nice to see. So, um, yeah, you didn't really see the, 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 there wasn't a lot of pass opportunities really in that game. Again, the quarterback's under a lot of duress, but I do feel like some of those guys are showing, um, you know, they've got the ability to step up and, you know, obviously clean up that offensive tackle and give Bryce some more throwing time. And those guys will have a chance to stand out more. Playmakers are there at the inside spots between Leary Anderson, Jojo Earl. Leary showed you that and being able to get the best of Malachi Moore on the deep ball for the touchdown. But on the outside and understanding Burton can be a volume guy, similar to as we made the comparison in the past, uh, maybe more so a John Mechie in terms of he's a guy that could very well lead your team in receptions. But when it comes to yards per catch and maybe even receiving yards, uh, still wondering a little bit about that. Ja'Cory Brooks, obviously out for the spring, but a lot of talk here in the last week or so about Tyler Harrell, Tim, the Louisville transfer who entered the portal in the last week and didn't waste any time apparently getting to Tuscaloosa to check out the Crimson Tide. Is is that sort of a missing piece uh, opportunity for Alabama maybe at that receiver spot, similar to what we saw a year ago? Yeah, I think from a speed standpoint, now you do have guys like Kobe and Isaiah Bond coming in who are very, you know, very fast guys. Um, but this guy, you know, Harold's got two years under his belt playing in the, the ACC. So still kind of a raw guy based on his numbers, probably. But he's fast and thick. Visit Alabama. Everything I was told, it went well. It's very quiet from his camp. I don't know if a lot's getting out. You know, my guess is a lot of times when a guy, he hits the portal, probably everybody in the country's, you know, talking to this guy. So he's got a lot going on. I still think as far as what's going to happen with him is going to be a wild card. And you got to remember, this isn't a guy that's going to sign and this is going to end. This is a guy that's just going to enroll. So he could commit to, you know, you know, a dozen schools overall and, you know, just, you know, keep changing his mind. Not saying he will. I'm just saying there's no end in sight for the transfer like this. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, mean, I know Alabama rolled out the red carpet and did what they had to do. Uh, I wouldn't say there's a missing piece. I mean, anytime you get somebody that fast, I think you want them. Alabama's had such success, you know, with the with the Judy Ruggs year, then you had the Smitty year, and then you had the Jameson Williams. You've got guys that got such elite speed. So, um, but yeah, as far as a guy coming in that has that much experience, that much speed, he would be that, you know, he would be that guy that could that could come in and help. The thing you heard coming out of Louisville spring practice in the last month or so was that Tyler Harrell had taken the step from just track sort of speed guy to complete receiver for the Cardinals. So, you know, maybe a situation similar to Jamison Williams in that a year ago, you knew he came in with speed. You wondered about the all around ability. And he certainly answered that question throughout the course of the 2021 season. But what I'm getting from you, Tim, is that it isn't just a rubber stamp situation with Tyler Harrell, as has been reported as soon as he went in the portal, there were reports that, well, he's off to Alabama. There could yeah. be some other situations in play here. He's a Miami guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's from Miami. You know, Mario's going to be involved, of course, I'm sure trying to push him. You know, the thing with the guy, you know, as far as the reports go, look, it's easy to say he's coming because nobody, for, you know, nobody's really checking receipts anymore. 
if you keep up a running tab of who said he's coming, I can say everybody's coming and just forget who didn't who didn't come and who came. So it's easy to say it's a done deal and all that stuff. It's really most of these things aren't a done deal, especially early. There are guys like Gibbs. Um, Gibbs was a different kind of animal because he had always wanted to go to Bama. He had that Bama connection, so that that was a that was an easy thing. With somebody this wide open coming from Louisville, don't forget this guy was lowly, wasn't very highly recruited out of high school to begin with. So he's going through basically the five-star recruitment right now. So yeah, anything, you know, anything could happen. I'm not saying he won't end up at Alabama. I just think that you have a lot, you know, there's a lot to like filter to through and go to, but whether or not he comes, I think Alabama's fine. They got enough talent at the wide receiver position to win 15 football games. I believe that strongly, um, especially if you can get one of those speed guys to step in, and uh, you know, and play Kobe or, or Isaiah Bonds. But I will say this about Harold: he, you know, with a guy like this who wants to be one and done, I think who sees this as almost a money year, like Jameson is, it's going to be really important he chooses the right school because not everybody can get the, you know, has a quarterback that can get this guy the ball. You know, that you got to have. Uh, it's a it's a great point about the chip you have in Bryce Young, in addition to being that team that puts so many guys in the NFL draft each and every year, you've got the guy at the trigger that you can sell, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now that might not be his deciding factor. And there's going to be a lot of teams that are, you know, if they don't have that chip, they're going to tell them they do have that chip. He's just, you haven't seen them yet. So they're all going to sell them on that same thing. But I watched uh, the Raiders the first year they had uh, Henry Ruggs and David Carr just couldn't hit the guy deep. I mean, that was a big, they had a guy that could run, you know, you know, he could run, you know, 60 yards without a quarterback who would throw at 60 in time to get it to him. So a little bit there, you want that matchup to be really good. Um, feel, feel the same way about Jamison Williams going in the draft. He's so fast. You really got to have a guy that can get him. But, you know, that's why when early on, and we'll get to the draft in a minute, but when I saw him being projected to the Chiefs, I was thinking, wow, that, you know, you really got a guy that gets it out quick and a guy that can get it deep. So what a perfect fit that would be for Jamison. I, I don't know where he'll go, but yeah, well, you know, with Tyler, I think he's going to have to, you know, he's having to weed through a lot of stuff that uh, he didn't have to weed through before. Let's talk about the running backs. You mentioned Jameer Gibbs for the most part, an excellent day for the Georgia tech transfer. He showed you that home run ability on the 75 yard touchdown. His offensive line did a pretty good job for him on that play. As well, Jamarian Miller comes in as the early enrollee from Texas. Trey Sanders, not to be forgotten, also working with that first team offense on Saturday. And then, of course, you got a couple of guys coming back from knee injuries and Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Miller. Emmanuel Henderson set to come on campus this summer. I guess there's a uh, there's a reason why Nick Saban says he feels pretty good about that position. Yeah, I think so. And you look at Miller, you know, another big, thick kid reminds you of Jace McClellan. Probably a big, thick Texas kid. Just looks the part, fall forward. Um, I wanted to see Trey a little bit more, but I get, you know, I get he doesn't really have anything to prove. Gibbs had the one wrong, long run, you know, but overall, I thought I thought the quarterbacks, you know, I'm looking at the stats. I see Jalen's, his long was not 22 yards, right? He had a much longer run or did. did they, boy, they whistled it dead. But yeah, if we're playing football. How you going to whistle it dead? If we're playing football. I think his rushing totals are going to be a good bit bigger and, and he's going to have a touchdown because they blew dead the keeper he had there inside the five. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, Monkel Goodwine, God bless him. Right. But he ain't making that play. 
one-on-one in that situation. No, he's not. But, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good day. The Gibbs long run. I know that got everybody excited. Um, you know, Bryce didn't, you know, Bryce could have ran a few times and just, you know, did not, did not, you chose not to run. So, really, you're just getting a chance to see the guys. I mean, again, half the running backs that you're going to see compete in the spring aren't even there right now. But it was a good look to see Gibbs. That long run was definitely exciting. Um and you saw some speed too as he ran away from Branch. You know that was a that was a there was, that was a long time they were out there in sort of a sprint. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's a group that you know obviously you want to see more in the spring, but missing a lot of guys. But it's enough talent there just this week, and you saw in the A Day game to know they can compete. So everything else else they have coming in, you know, is just you know more money on the top. All right, and maybe the most pressing topic on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think there's any mic to it the offensive line more so with an emphasis on the tackle spots because i think when you consider emil ekior back in that lineup for the fall at right guard or one of the guard positions and the competition you're going to continue to have at center is going to be extremely healthy it looks like jb on cohen you expect back at one of those guard spots feel good about it guard to guard but tackle and understanding some of this is who you're going against and you're going against the top trio of edge rushers collectively in all of college football. If you're Kendall Randolph or you're uh, also JC Latham and Tommy Brockermeyer is a third teamer was working with that uh, first team offense, how the rosters broke down. Uh, give us maybe some uh, temper it a little bit for us, maybe even from that perspective or just, in terms of the strides guys can make between now and August. And then also considering you got Tyler Steen entering this mix here in the next little bit. No, I think that the, the stand up approach, the defensive ends were using was just stand up and, you know, come after him full blast, uh, gave him a little bit of advantage. Obviously they, they're, I mean, they're as gifted as it comes. I mean, Braswell was a problem too. Jeremiah Alexander had a couple plays off the edge. He had a sack or two, I believe. Um, you know, again, I saw Demoy Kennedy coming out there. You saw so many guys coming off that edge, game in advance. I was watching it last night, especially the offensive line. I saw Brockermeyer. I saw Latham in particular. I saw them, Amari Kite. They, you know, they, they got beat, definitely. I mean, you don't give up that many sacks in A-Day games. They don't get beat. But I watched them recover, and they seldom had two bad reps in a row. Um, you know, you would see, like, Latham would get beat by, by Will, and then he would come back and do a much better job. I should say on Dallas. I don't really remember anybody doing a great job on Will. They uh, he, he sort of sort of had his way. Um, but you know, on a guy like Dallas, I saw Latham back to back plays. I saw him get beat, give the edge up to Dallas. He got to the outside. And then the next time he did a great job, basically same play. Um, you know, pass you know pass protection and did a great job of keeping him away from the quarterback. So you got to hope those reps against Dallas and Will and Chris. And it's not again. It's not just Will. And it's not just Dallas, it's Chris Braswell and all these other guys. Jeremiah Alexander knows how to get to the quarterback. You know, he's not your typical edge rusher that you used to see in the NFL or at Alabama. But Jeremiah at the edge is a problem. He did that for Thompson. He sets the edge. He's a big guy, uses his hands well. He's strong as crap. You know, so he's a guy that's going to go in there and give, you know, any offensive lineman trouble and make him work, spin moves and all that kind of stuff. He's going to know how to work from that position. So you get all the all that. You got to hope, you got to think those reps pay off of having to go against those guys. And then you don't have to go against anybody like that in the SEC or in the, in the, you know, the regular football season. In the playoffs, even yeah. if you get there. Uh, yeah. I mean, Will's obviously the next level, but Dallas, you know, Dallas, you know, just, you know, I don't want to, you know, Dallas 
getting close to that next level as well. So you don't really have to go against guys that good, um, you know, that good, that fast, that strong the rest of the year. So you have to think that pays off. Let me ask you this though, based on what we heard during the spring, what we saw in a little bit of the spring game, would you rule anyone out of that competition at tackle, even with Tyler Steen coming in? I'm talking about even a guy like Tyler Booker as a true freshman who worked on the right side with the twos on Saturday. And I, I think he's probably better off big picture wise, maybe at guard, but for right now, I mean, considering, you know, what they've got to work with and that competition that's ongoing, even if Tyler Steen comes in and plugs right in at left tackle, let's say, uh, is there anyone at this point that you would rule out at right tackle? No, I really, I know I don't. I think it's, uh, I mean, there's still, I mean, it looks, you know, you get through spring, there's still five months of preparation to get ready for the season. There's five months of getting into shape. Tommy Brockermeyer working himself into the right shape. I know he's, you know, getting completely healthy. He's had a few injuries that kept him back. There's a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work to be done. Um, I mean, chances, opportunities for progress with these guys. I wouldn't rule anybody out. I don't think, I don't think including Tyler Steen, I don't think anybody's just a dead lock. I'm coming in and taking that position at this stage. I think it's wide open. Yeah. I, I don't know how you can look at the situation right now and, sort of think otherwise now Elijah Pritchett coming in this summer but uh, it's probably more in the 280 range in terms of weight right now that we know of Tim might need a little more time but certainly when you think about a year or two from now Elijah Pritchett is a guy that you could absolutely uh, envision in that mix and who knows maybe he shows up and jumps right in there uh, as well now that's the offensive outlook for Alabama coming out of spring practice. And we talked about the quarterback position where there were encouraging signs for some of the younger guys like Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. But I wanted to ask you from a recruiting perspective, Tim, about Eli Holstein, uh, the other quarterback in the state of Louisiana, I guess, for the class of 2023. I don't mean disrespect by that because Eli Holstein uh, when it comes to offers and interest and uh, rankings and things like that, he can go with just about pretty much any other quarterback in this cycle. But seems similar to Ty Simpson in some ways, Tim, in that he certainly spent a lot of time in Tuscaloosa in the last month or so, I guess. Yeah, I think he, you know, I think he has. I mean, you know, he's a guy that decommitted from Texas A&M and, um, you know, sort of jumped on Alabama, jumped into the middle of that really well. You're right. I mean, you know, the thing I feel kind of, you know, again, Arch Manning is such a, such an attraction for everybody to either criticize or, or, or love, you know, they, they either love him or they want to criticize. I mean, let me tell you, I've seen this a lot. Arch Manning could be Arch Willingham and still be a highly ass recruited quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's not getting offers because his, his dad was Cooper and his uncles could play football. There's a lot of uncles who played in the NFL where the nephew ain't got no offers. <laughs> You know what I mean? Deion Sanders has got nephews. Ain't none of them getting offers right now. So it's not that simple. He's a hell of a football player. I don't know why he keeps getting drugged in the mess. With that said, I do think there's quarterbacks with bigger upsides than Arch. I think Arch has probably been as as polished as anybody at that position at his age in the history of football. I mean, he is surrounded by quarterback geniuses with your granddad and your uncles and everybody. You know, and his brother was a SEC scholarship player at Ole Miss before getting his dad. I mean, was an SEC scholarship player at Ole Miss before uh, getting injured. They've been around football so much. He's as polished as it comes. 
but he's, a, he's obviously a really good football player. But I believe there are guys with bigger upsides. Um, I think Eli's one of them. Probably, you know, you know, the floor is probably higher for Arch, meaning the chances of him not being successful or less to some degree. But as far as how high they can be, I think when you look at a guy like Eli, I think you're looking at a big, strong kid um, who could throw the football. Who can? He's another one. If you watch him, he's going to remind you of <clears throat> another quarterback like Jalen. And like Ty, I'm not saying he plays like them, but this is a big kid that can pull it down and run. Um, you know, competitive guy, plays in Louisiana. There's been a lot of, you know, that Louisiana quarterback situation. They had Walker Howard, who yeah. was Howard's son last year. Him and Eli, I believe, were at the same school and transferred. Uh, Eli transferred, of course, so he could he could start not sitting behind uh, Walker, who was a pretty highly recruited guy. Then you got Arch Manning. So the Louisiana quarterback situation has been kind of wild when you get down to it. And really, you know, two of the three weren't, you know, haven't really shown much interest in LSU, which makes it even more interesting because Arch and Eli are both probably headed out of state. So, but yeah, Eli's a guy, he's been comfortable at Alabama. He's made his way over several times. Um, you know, if I had to, you know, I'm not big on making the predictions of crystal balls months out because so much changes, but if I was making a prediction, I'd have Eli going to Alabama right now based on, you know, you know, follow the visits, you know, follow the visits and what he's been doing. He's comes, he stays the night, he hangs out. He likes being around that team. So, uh, I think Alabama's did a really good job there. Pete Golden's led the way. I know Bill O'Brien's been involved heavily. So both of them have did a really good job on a, on a, on a strong, on a strong uh, recruit. Yeah, I'm sure player development, the whole person development is something very attractive to Team Holstein. And for more on that, we'll see it play out in the upcoming NFL draft. Tim, we are less than, I guess, 10 days away from the 2022 NFL draft, also known as the annual infomercial for Alabama football. And I guess when you look at this draft class for Alabama, somewhere in the neighborhood of eight players expected to be drafted and the mock drafts are fun, right? Because they're wild. Once you get out of the first round, you even get into round two. And especially when you look at this Alabama group, for example, Jordan Reed, uh, draft analyst for ESPN, Ryan Wilson, draft analyst for CBS sports. Uh, you know, one, of, one of them Reed has, Let's say Jalen Armour Davis going as high as the third round to the New England Patriots. That's Jordan Reed on Jalen Armour Davis. And then you look at Ryan Wilson. He's got Jalen Armour Davis going in round five to the Titans. So once you get beyond Evan Neal and Jamison Williams, a lot of different things can happen next weekend. But Evan looks to be a certainty for a top three, top five pick. Reed has Evan Neal going number three overall to the Texans. Whereas Wilson of CBSSports.com has Evan going fifth overall to the Giants. Would you be surprised to see Evan drop below the Giants there at five? Not really. I think top ten would be sort of the cutoff for me. I, I think you come down. You got a you got a class full of edge rushers. You know this class is not very sexy because it doesn't have the star power we're so used to. I mean the last year's class you had. Obviously, you had Mac to Trevor Lawrence, you know, quarterbacks, four or five quarterbacks. Year before, you know, you had Joe Burrow, you know, all the way down to, you know, Tua, down to, you know, Kellen Mond early in the second round and uh, Jordan Love. You had four or five guys again going. Not many quarterbacks, so you sort of take some of that shine off of this. But there's a lot of defensive ends in this class, so I'm curious to see how much value. There's a lot of questionable guys. 
Um, you know, that you have to wonder who's going to take a chance on a guy like Malik Willis. I mean, he's a talent. He's a, he's a top five talent. If you're looking at his highlights and then, you know, again, as a finished product, probably not. But then again, there's not many quarterbacks in this draft, you know, Kayvon Tribodeau. I mean, what, you know, I still don't know. Is he going to end up in the top five? Is he going to end up out of the top 10? I mean, those interviews, they, they scared a lot of people. I don't, I don't, I mean, I've read it. I know this. I've talked to coaches. I know that those interviews were, were a major red flag, but I wonder if they don't, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily mean they scared everybody so that you could still have a guy taking him to the top five. So a lot still to be decided from that angle with Neil, I think he's about as safe a pick as you can get. I said this about Leatherwood. I think we both did is that if he's not your tackle, he can be your guard and a starting NFL guard for that's a good, good, good player is definitely worth a top 10 pick. I think that that whole stigma where me and you grew up and it was like the only first round guys were taken were tackles, right? Me and yeah. you, you don't take a, you know, all the great centers went in the fifth round. Well, that's changed centers go in the first round guards go in the first round because people figured out what, you know, makes sense. Those are important guys too. So with Neil, I think it's a low risk um, because he can project at multiple positions that gives him four positions, basically, which you got to love from that. So, but again, I don't think he's going to be a sexy pick. I don't think he's going to be that guy that Team C is the, uh, you know, coming in lockdown left tackle to go with our quarterback. And also, you got to remember, some of these guys drafting up here have been drafting up here for the last fifteen to twenty years, so they're not that bright. You got well, some, you got some dumb teams up here. I mean, we got. You know, why do you got to talk about my Jags like that? Well, I mean, hey, I thought we were boys. We're hoping, I'm really referring to the Lions, who's had a top <laughs> five years. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no doubt. It seems like the Lions have been there the Gi- the since Giants the Calvin a, Johnson I mean, era. The Giants yeah. had a top 10 pick for 15, for 10 years at least, it seems like. So you got teams, the Jets, that are drafted. It's very interesting because this draft has multiple picks. So with Evan, you know, Evan's going to fall. Um, and it makes too much sense for the Jags. Is I, and I'm a Jags fan, as, as I we know. know. I hate, you know, the Jags. He, he, is, he makes too much sense because the face of your franchise is your quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. So you absolutely need to take care of your quarterback, first and foremost. And their offensive line, as you just said, whether Evan Neal comes in and steps in at a tackle, you're going to have Cam Robinson one more year on the franchise. But even if you bring Evan Neal in and put him at guard, you have upgraded that offensive line exponentially. And you want to talk about being safe? He's also safe with the fan base because if you take an Aiden Hutchinson or you take a, a, a Trayvon Walker and these guys have two or three sacks and you took them number one overall, meanwhile, Evan Neal goes somewhere else and – you can't quantify maybe his performance as much, right? Statistically, but let's say he starts 17 games as a rookie. At least you can tell the fan base, Hey, look, we took him number one and he started every game played well, right? It just makes too much sense. I'm afraid for the Jags to take either Evan Neal or the tackle, the offensive lineman for NC state. I just want an offensive lineman. I'd, I'd like Evan Neal, but I'll take any offensive lineman at this point. Partly to me. I wonder why, <clears throat> the Jaguars didn't. I mean, there's so many people with two picks in the first. I wonder why they didn't try to move this pick. Or maybe they did and nobody knows. Oh, about. nobody wants to go up there. You gonna go up there for Malik Willis? That's 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 I think it's the shittiest year ever to have the number one overall. It's the worst year. Yeah. You know? 
There's yeah. no value. I mean, it's similar, I believe, to the year Chase Young went. Would Chase Young go number one? If I'm mixing that up, that year um, was a similar year where you kept expecting teams to move up. I think that was the last year when they. But the point did. is, none of like you said, none of these guys are slam dunks. So why not take a guy that you know you can plug and play? Actually, right? Chase, that's the wrong year. Chase went number two to Burrow. So wow, Chase went higher than half those quarterbacks. But he, um, no, I agree. If you could have moved that pick and got down there and sort of got in that comfortable range, I can't move it. Yeah, I think you would have felt. I think you'd have felt better. But I don't know who you're moving up for. A guy I really like. I really like the guy from Georgia, Walker. They like Trayvon Walker. The Jags yeah. love Trayvon Walker. If the Jags don't take an OL, I'll frankly be surprised if Trayvon Walker isn't the pick at one for you the know, Jags. The Georgia, I'm really curious to see how the Georgia dominoes fall because it's weird. It's like, like you said, I see Walker. I thought Walker was the best player on that team um, and on a really talented team. And also at the same time, I see N'Kobe Dean being mocked so many times in the first round. And I just absolutely don't see him as a first round pick. I think Quay Walker's upside's better. Yeah. I'm curious to see what the NFL does. If they see what I do, I really like Lewis sign. I think he had a good year. George got, see, I'm not as big on sign, but I'm probably probably because I saw Alabama throw it over his head a couple of times, but everybody else loves Lewis sign at safety. So round pick, I mean, it's hard, you know, and I'm, you know, I saw the board the other day. Is he Xavier McKinney? Or do you think uh, and he wasn't, you know, that's the thing is that first round picks and safety, you've got to yeah. be kind of freaky. The last really well-rounded first round safety for Alabama was ha ha Clinton Dix because Landon fell in the second round. Xavier fell in the second round. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, those guys fell. That's usually where those top end safeties go. So if you're not a, you know, if you're not just like, and ha ha was a big long range here, but you know, forgets what a great player, another really quiet, great career at Alabama. But uh, you have guys like that. But George's guys, I'm just curious to see because the college view of them, I think, is going to be a lot different. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Kobe Dean goes 10th or something. I you don't know, know, I like from the Georgia contingent that I see in a lot of third to fifth rounds that I love to see with my Jags because of the aforementioned offensive line is Jamari Saylor. And he's a guy, when you look at him, man, it doesn't he doesn't pass the eye test. Um, you know, he's not six, seven, he's not three twenty. He's not pretty. Um, uh, he's kind of retro to put it nicely in his look, but that dude did a nice job, uh, in the two games against Alabama at a position that wasn't his natural spot left tackle, but that's just me. You know, I, I I'm with you though. I, with all these Georgia guys, it's going to be very fascinating. James Cook, where does he land at the running back position? You know, there's. I just think this whole draft is going to be, and I think Alabama, you know, it's a weird draft for me for Alabama because they have guys that are not very unlikely to go in the first round and probably weren't going in the first round no matter what. But we haven't really seen a draft where so many guys went pro knowing they weren't going first. You know, you got Mechie, you got Christian Harris, you got all those guys. But I do think they've got a lot of talent outside of the first round. Obviously, Jamison Williams, I don't know where he'll fall, but I do think that he's a seen a lot of top 20s for him in the mocks anyway. I mean, we'll see. I, I've actually, Jordan Reed of ESPN has him 19 to your Saints. What would you think of that pick there? I'd love it if we had a Drew Brees 15 years. <laughs> the JMO and Jameis show, you're not fired. I mean, if you put the salary of the Saints quarterbacks together, you could go get Aaron Rodgers. 
a tree. Him and Chase on Hill, they make $150 million a year, I think, between those two and Ian Book. But, you know, I'm looking at the mock draft where they did it with McShay and Kuiper doing alternating picks, and they've got him 15 to the Yeah, end. that seems to be a sweet spot. That would be interesting to have a Jalen. Devontae. Yeah, Devontae, who, who, who was good. Jalen's got an arm. You know, you got a guy that can run. You got two guys that, yeah. two guys that can get open. Um, two guys that aren't really going to take a physical beating. You know, you don't really want them running across the middle, but that would be interesting. So I think Jameson, he just, I just like to see him, uh, you know, fall to a team that's got a good, that's got a good quarterback, a good quarterback system, you know, in place or are working. But yeah, two first round picks. You know, I think that's, a, that's a pretty solid effort after last year's record setting year and some really good second round picks like Mathis. I don't know if you noticed, like when Mathis, you, Mechie, yeah. yeah. Bama has so many defensive tackles in the NFL, I think. You forget about them, and then all of a sudden they announce Sharon Reed just made a sack. You know, these guys just have been around, you know, in the defense, defensive tackles. Look at Sean in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah. Just out of the blue, Sean showed up looking 103 years old. You know, it was like, what the – where did you come from? But they uh, – you know, the defensive tackle in the NFL, nobody talks about. I mean, in the history of the NFL, how many tackles have we talked about? Reggie? White, obviously, the you know, still the best to me. Aaron Donald, obviously giving ready Reggie a push for his money. How many defensive tackles that we really talked about? Sue yeah. from Nebraska, you know, there's guys we just don't talk about them because they're in there in the melee, you know, getting double teamed and held and everything else. We just don't hear from them. But those guys, you know, Dallin Thomason's a good football player it's with the Vikings now after being drafted by the Giants. Um, you just don't hear his name because there's just not a lot of opportunity for uh those tackles for losses and sacks on that interior of the NFL. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about the draft. I'm always excited, but um, it's probably the lowest key draft I've seen in, in, in many years though. Just not enough sizzle at the top. You know? I think good. If you're a defensive guy, I think you're having the time, you know, I think you're having the time. If you like not having a clue what's going on, I think this <laughs> is your draft. Cause I agree. Everyone's got Aiden Hutchinson as the locked in Jaguar guy. And I'm not fired up about that in Jacks, but I'm not, I'm not going to be shocked if it's not him. No, I, no, I, not, nothing will surprise me. You're right. Yeah. In terms not, of I'm, what could happen. Yeah. Um, I, I would think more either one of these tackles or Trayvon Walker than Aiden Hutchinson, but I don't, I mean, I won't be surprised if it's Hutchinson. You'll see trades. I mean, you know, the one option is you can always trade that number one pick for a number four pick and you get a player in the number four pick. So they, if you could get a player, that'd be great. Yeah. There, there's ways to fill that, you know, that hole. And if you remember the saints did that a few years ago, they traded Jimmy Graham and ended up with their starting center. center for years. So yeah, a lot of options yeah. there. No doubt. And Alabama expected, as you said, a couple of first rounders uh, for next weekend that will push Alabama's consecutive years with a first round pick to 14 and that will tie Miami for the longest streak in NFL draft history. And when you got Will Anderson next year, you got Bryce young next year. I worry it'll be broken next year. Oh, it's, it's already broken. I don't know if they've got, no, I mean, Oh yeah. I'm not sure. You're right. Will Anderson's got to really, he needs to push, right? I mean, he's got to show a few things this year. Two sacks won't do it, but that's <laughs> going to be fun next year because I'm 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 curious to how much they pick Bryce apart, which is what they've always done. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you remember they had us thinking coming down Trevor's year and Burrow's year that neither of them were going number one. 
You know, well, that- what's going to happen is everybody's going to associate Kyler Murray's year coming up into Bryce. If Kyler Murray doesn't have a great year or doesn't get that team a little further along where the postseason is concerned, you're going to hear all you're not going to hear the Russell Wilson who's had just a Hall of Fame career. Right. What you'll hear is more about, well, look at Kyler Murray. You know, he's yeah. not trending in, a, in, in the right direction. Cardinals have just never been a complete team. I mean, the thing about it is, like, Russell had a complete team at one point. He had the best defense in the world um, on top of having enough playmakers around him, a great running back, a good offensive line to win. Um, I mean, mean, NFL is such a whole team kind of deal. You know what I mean? You can't really. No. You can't hide guys at all. Yeah, you got to be really thorough. That's why those third, fourth, fifth, sixth-round picks are so important. You know, if those guys – if you don't hit on some of those guys and get those guys filling starting spots, good starting spots, you know, you got a big issue. And I think you look at the teams that do that, they're the ones that that are successful year in and year out. So there you go. We'll get more into the draft, certainly at BamaOnline.com and as we head into the next week. But uh, it's picking up. There's no doubt about it. And we're going to get into the BamaOnline.com roundtable mailbag coming up in just a little bit. But You know, we talk about a lot of times here on the show when you get Major League Baseball coming in with the NBA playoffs and now the USFL taking over the ham for crying out loud, Tim. Um, In terms of consumption, uh, fan consumption for yourself here in the last three or four days, which has it been most of or has it been sort of a potpourri of MLB, NBA playoffs? Did you have you checked out the USFL at all to this point? Yeah, I watched the Birmingham game. We have the I have a little system where I have an extra TV wherever I'm at so I can turn a game on. I actually got three of those fire TVs, those 32-inch ones. So mm-hmm. I watch a movie but still have a game on. Um, try to make, you know, the missus and myself, you know, sort of be a comfortable spot. I buy that TV out of her line of sight if she don't want to see it. Not quite a, I can follow most games. But um, I thought the Birmingham – the game, I thought the USFL game was pretty well played, actually. It's not what I expected. Um, you know, it didn't look like the replacement movie, you know, when the <laughs> center, they actually looked like a pretty good team, pretty competitive, um, good game coming down there. You know, obviously Phil's avoid trying to get to uh, get into the, uh, you know, the in the NFL, the regular college football in the NFL. So I watched that. I mean, I, I'm always going to watch the NBA playoffs. I watch every one of those games. The Celtics had an unbelievable finish yesterday. My Kyrie, Kyrie flipping everybody off. Dude, in Boston. That, uh, that, <laughs> it's wild because, like, if I'm a guy flipping birds, I'm so wound up I want to run in the stands. I can't casually flip a bird. You know what I mean? Some people can just casually flip and keep going like it's no big deal. Me, if I flip it, I'm, like, enraged. I want to kill you. You know, I want to I wanna murder somebody. Right. Well, him, if it's, like, Boston in 85 – people would have been coming out on the floor because in 85 ticket prices weren't such that the common person couldn't get into the Celtics playoff game. You know what I'm saying? Like when bird and those guys played, you had all kinds of people sitting five rows off the floor. Now it's so corporate and everything else. You don't have to worry about it as much, but man, I thought about it in terms of if Kyrie or someone had done that in like 84, 85, I mean, Dr. J got into it with Larry Bird, and I thought the whole place was going to come apart back in the day. 
funny you mention that because if you're watching that show Winning Time on HBO Max with the Lakers, they actually, this week's episode was the first time that the uh, uh, Lakers went to Boston and they sort of played it up like it was their first time since they uh, since they had played each other since their college game and all that stuff. But Bird, you know, was being the Bird competitive Walked in, dipping, holding a can and spitting in the can and telling Magic he's going to beat his ass. And they had the, you know, the electricity was basic, not the electricity, the water was off. It was freezing. The fans were in the, you know, all kind of stuff, as you can imagine. Because you remember the Lakers in Boston. You're talking about oh. opposites. So mm-hmm. you get Kyrie there, that fan base. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, to me, it's an interesting dilemma. There are people that say stuff that's over the line. There's no doubt about it. There, there's. I can imagine I've been at games where they say stuff way over the line. But telling some guy he sucks, that's not over the line. I mean, give me a friggin' break. You suck. You can't shoot. Go back to where at New Brooklyn. That's not over the line. And I'm not saying that's what they said. Obviously, they told Kyrie F you, and he said it back. So, you know, harm, no foul. But you see, like this year, I saw LeBron grab his sack and tell the whole audience to what <laughs> then he came running up and got some lady thrown out of the game because she probably told him to suck her uh, you know so I think there's a lot of sensitivity I was watching the highlights of Kevin Durant more rabbit ears than ever I, mean, for I sure. Kevin Durant and I don't know you know the guy kids sometimes and sometimes he doesn't but the guy said come on Kevin now you gotta take this game over and Kevin turned around and looked at him they had the camera it was like the it was a yeah. point of view and Kevin Durant said you need to shut the F up, sit down and watch the game. That's kind of excessive, you know? That's, yeah, yeah. I saying take the game over. They didn't, you know. That's when you got the F you money, you know, yeah, like Kevin Durant. Kevin could have been playing because I've seen him play with the fans, but um, I don't think a player can talk to the crowd and then not expect the crowd to be ultra nice. But then again, I don't think anybody in the audience should be saying – some of the racial and the, the, the homophobic stuff they say, I, I certainly don't agree with calling people names, but I certainly agree with LeBron. You suck is okay. LeBron yeah. shoot is okay. But I don't think talking about any man, you know, on a personal level, I mean, Russell Westbrook running around trying to stop a world from saying Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Literally going in the stands going, would you call me? I don't even understand. Uh, again, you're right, rabbit ears. So, yeah, but I saw Kyrie. I thought it was funny, and I I think when he did the fingers behind his head and shot him two birds, I saw an older white guy die laughing. He loved it. Yeah, I think uh, the fans feel like, it. hey, I'm getting some interaction from one of the best yes. players in the world. And they don't care that, what it is. That part had to be particularly hard on him because when he hit that jumper and he ran by flipped a bird, it was that same section. So somebody was over there telling him to F himself and he was telling him back. I thought it was all right. I mean, Kyrie handled it well. The fans handled it well, but I agree that you don't. I mean, people are getting on the court alarmingly easy. I mean, which oh, yeah. but the lady taped herself in the free throw line. Yeah. Minnesota. And then it's never the, been easier. And then yeah. in the first games, one lady taped herself to in the, in the paint. Um, and another lady tied herself, chained herself to the backboard. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, people are able to get on that court. You know, you just want to – how the hell did she get in with the chain, by the way? Not security there, Memphis. <laughs> well, it's Memphis. I mean, I come mean, on. Oh. And I love Memphis, by the way. I do love Memphis. Uh, the Peabody, the Ducks, the uh, AAA ballpark right there in downtown. <laughs> Gus's Fried Chicken. I get it. I love Memphis. I've been to Mississippi <laughs> River – yeah. I've been to many Saints games. The many, Bass Pro Shops and the old Pyramid. It's awesome. 
I've been to many Saints games, many Pelicans game, and I can assure you I couldn't sneak in a 20-foot <laughs> chain. I mean, they Memphis my, is built different, man. They checked my I'm wife's telling you. little part. Well, they got a section where you walk through, and I thought this yeah. was everywhere. Bridge Sun Records. You walk through if you got a purse or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, so you got to have quite the size purse to sneak in the chain. But yeah, you know me though. I mean, I've been watching. The, I watched the uh, pro golf. I know you don't watch that, but uh, had a good finish to Harbor Town up in uh, Hilton Head on Sunday. Jordan Spieth gets another win. Been struggling a little bit, so good to see Jordy back in the winner's circle. I did watch some of the NBA playoffs on Monday night because you had Gus Johnson doing some play-by-play for Turner for TNT on Monday night. So I'm more inclined to watch the NBA playoffs when it's on TNT because I'm going to get Ernie. I'm going to get Shaq. Yeah. I'm going to get Chuck and I'm going to get Kenny. That's as much of a, a deciding thing for me as anything. Yeah. Most of those games, I, I tell you, know, my stance, I, I try to be on mute as much as I can. Um, just cause I, they, 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 they make me dumber. A lot of those announcers make me dumber <laughs> by the time the games, they say the dumbest stuff. And, uh, uh, I know they got a tough job and all that stuff, and I've worked in that business and been around people that had to had to talk for two or three hours in a row. It's not an easy job, but it really does um, bum me yeah. out. I watched a lot of baseball. I mean, I've watched obviously Braves fans. Braves five and seven, man. What's up with that? Man, they're playing tough schedule. They lost to the Dodgers last night. Freddie went deep on them last night. You got to feel like you know. Hey, I'm gonna see Acuna tonight. I'm gonna be at that rehab. I'm going to oh, be really? at a rehab game tonight. Yeah. Nice. Send me video. Yeah. He, yes. You know, you got to feel, you got to feel like a butt when you give up the home run to Freddie in his first at bat against the Braves. But did I tell you what the Freddie's last at bat was a home run for the Braves and his first at bat against them. Is a home <laughs> run. I would like to know the friggin' odds of that. And I mean, it was good. Look, I'm not, I don't know how other Braves fans feel. I know there's a mixture. I have hold nothing against Freddie Freeman for leaving. I hold nothing against him. I don't believe the Braves ran him off or any of that thing. I think he wanted to get paid. And you know what? He deserved to get paid. And he and I think the Braves had a plan all along. They knew exactly what they were going to do, and they carried it out quickly. This Olsen guy's a monster. That's what I'm saying. He's a hell of a glove. He's a hell of a bat. So I think this is that rare occasion that it's a win-win. It worked out for everybody. Man, absolutely. absolutely. I don't hold her anything against Freddie. Certainly not. You know, I think a lot of people hate the Dodgers. I don't really fall in that group of hate you know if i hate a baseball team it was probably the yankees when i grew up they were you know they really oh, were i love the yankees in the 70s yeah yeah i was thinking more reggie you're, you're kind of you're a lot older than me i keep forgetting yeah well that's true <laughs> you're more don mattingly era probably yeah, yankees. I like and Rick i was Kendall. reggie and craig nettles and those, chris chambliss yeah. and those guys those guys yeah they were they're right yeah Billy they, martin yeah yeah they uh so if I hated a team, it would have probably been the Yankees um, when I was younger. Um, but really, in the major leagues, I don't find a lot of hate as I got older. I guess I respected the game. You know, I'm that way with the SEC. Like, I don't have it. You know who the most hated team in baseball right now might be? The Tennessee Vols. Oh, yeah. you know. How the, about that over the weekend? Not to get us West deep in those weeds. Better, but Wes was whining. Your boy Wes. Like a little. little he's a ride or die for Tony V. Isn't little he? bitty baby. Ride or die? He's got, an, he's got an infant in the house, and unfortunately his wife has two of them apparently. Oh, <laughs> no. Damn. He is, now, Wes is a good friend of mine. Let me preface that. I know. 
Wes, good dude. He is a good, he's an all right guy. Ah, He calls everybody b-holes. We're going to say, you know, call me b-hole because I have other words coming back at him. But Wes (laughs) sends me those Tennessee celebrations. Text them to me. Oh, I know. Retweets them. He loves the fur coat and the hat and all that, doesn't he? them strip like it was a strip club. As they get each base, they lose a piece of clothing and Cross the plate naked, basically. They love a homer. So I like Willie Mays Hayes all through the lineup, getting in the box. Yeah. Alabama beats the number one team in the nation in Knoxville. They hadn't lost an SEC game. And West was absolutely offended. And after the game, (laughs) listen to this. Here's what's funny. So that night, the Braves beat the Padres, and they do the exact same celebration. I sent it to West. And I said, Lord have mercy, the Padres are probably putting this on the wall right now. They're now mad. They're, they're angry. Which is what strikes me as funny as anything else about the whole thing is a baseball team being mad. Oh, oh, don't make a baseball team mad. That's what I said. I even told him that's <laughs> ever. You gonna put it in his ear hole? Oh. Put it in his ear hole? Boy, I, I hope Tennessee's uh, men's tennis team never gets that upset. Yeah. Somebody's gonna pay. But Wes, I will tell you this, Wes, the funniest thing about Wes is his hatred for umpires is yeah. orders. Wes, who probably's probably's blind as, you know, probably as blind as a human can get and still legally drive, is out here questioning <laughs> an umpire you know, for guys throwing 97 miles an hour movement. I thought Tony Vitello also got off light with the four-game suspension, given the manner in which he... Yeah. I don't understand. Went that. after that umpire. C is a really good baseball team. Really, they are. They are talented. I don't know why they got to act so stupid. I mean, a lot of the stuff they do. Is well, that that's comes from the head coach. I'm afraid. Yeah. Well, you know, when you Brotello, win Tony you, Brotello, he's a bro. Well, when he wins something, he probably can act that way. Well, you know what? Don't two and Q in Omaha and score four runs in 18 innings or so like you did last year and and flex. You know. It's great that that program has improved to the point where it is going to Omaha. That's that's great, but you know, don't two and Q. Win a game, win a game in the CWS. Score well, more than four runs in two games. Yeah, you know, I don't know why the gimmicks. You know, I don't. They're really good. Yeah, I, I'm not a big gimmick guy, and I've caught heat even where softball is concerned because we had a stretch in SEC softball four or five years ago where I mean, it was in the dugout, it was going way over the top. I mean, it was with the, uh, it was like a, a set almost in there. I, and, you know, I understand that I'm not, don't have fun. I'm all with that, but it becomes, it gets to the point where it's more look at, look at me ish too much, maybe a little bit, but you know, as you said earlier, I'm, I'm getting yeah, old. Talk about Alabama. I mean, they're, they had a, uh, they're very, really, I mean, I don't know if we talked about them. They are very competitive baseball team lately. Yeah. You know, obviously let some games get away from you can't make any mistakes against a you know a team as good as Tennessee. Um eight and seven halfway through the SEC schedule. Boy, you'll take that. I think if you're Brad Bohan. With with Tennessee, I think probably for the exuberant celebration might have been the fact you just want to win a game, right? Yeah. Say we're you the, went on Friday night. And that that's, yeah, it was a good that's, win. that's nice to get in your back pocket. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That, yeah, so that was a good. That team, you know, you know, took a lot. And of Tennessee stuff. did what you would think they would do in the in the second and third games in that series. They were they were That's dominant, man. They're, they're the number one team in the country, no doubt about it. I know Tennessee expected to sweep that series. 
Yeah, I think that's why it was, well, you know, and Tennessee fans at this point, they got to be tired of Alabama just raining on everything, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Rick Barnes is a really good basketball coach. You know what Rick Barnes' record is against Alabama? He's three and five. Yeah, so Alabama just will not let Tennessee have nothing for too long, it seems like. Hey, uh, I'll tell you, we're talking about different things, but HBO Max, I know that's totally off topic, but we've been posted up, the wife and I, with HBO Max. Sunday morning, a little moonstruck rescreening with Cher, Nick uh, Cage. Yes. You know? We- Yes. Well, Don, Danny Aiello, the late yeah. Danny Aiello, Johnny you, and Ronnie Camareri, Tim. I tell you one of the beauties of having, and you knew this from having daughters, is that we have, like, I have my oldest two sons, and <clears throat> we watched a lot of movies that I couldn't watch with the younger ones. And then now the younger ones are old enough to watch those movies. So Heather went out of town to her parents, and I watched with my with my youngest son, who's 15, going to be 15, it was 15 and we watched every movie you can think of that you'd want to watch with your son, that your wife, you wouldn't want your wife to know, but we went from something about Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Being, I mean, I'm telling you, me and my, me and my youngest one, G money, we sat in there for three days and watched nothing but every dumb and dumber. Something. Oh, wow. You name it. We were watching Beverly. Me, myself and Irene. Beverly Hills cop. We didn't get to that one. That didn't stuck on you. Uh, no, we didn't. Oh, geez. We didn't get quite to that level, but we did get to Tropic Thunder. Uh, Blazes Saddles was queued up when I realized he probably didn't really would get some of those jokes yet. Oh, but Cher going back to that Cher that the movie was Cher Moonstruck. That's the good thing about having a younger daughter is she wants to see those kind of romantic comedies that you like, but you never think to watch without your wife suggested great couples flick, or as you said, the the daughter and you know, it's, it's safe, but it's a good movie. Great. Yeah. Great call. Absolutely. Yeah. Great call. But, uh, I did check out King Richard with Will Smith last night with the wife. I enjoyed that, you know, as a sports uh-huh. dad, I know you could relate to that as well. I'm you know, if, if, if Richard Williams had had sons instead of daughters, he would have been like the perfect That's quarterback right. dad. Quarterback dad. If he'd had sons, they'd been quarterbacks at Alabama. Uh, it, it, dude, <laughs> I don't know if that's the way it hits you, but that. Uh, absolutely, for reading it, absolutely. I think if, uh, you know, I think if Tua Talia's dad had, had daughters that played tennis, I think they'd have been the Williams sisters. Yeah, Craig Young, you uh, know, with I Bryce. Think those dads that, that recognize that skill set early on. Oh, yeah. And know how to, you know, get the most out of it. And you can't argue with the results. Nope. Any of these nope. parents, you know, nope. you know, and the nope. parents, the parents, some parents will always be offended behind that behavior, but I'm one that you push your kids as hard as you can if, if, to whatever, especially they if they show you, they have it within them to they, pursue they, it if they and want to do it. Yeah, it, absolutely. You, you know, a thousand percent, you push them. I mean, if they don't, obviously, you know, if they don't want to do it, you know, you're not, no. that's. Um, I always told mine, look, it does, it doesn't bother me if if I'm not out here throwing BP or rebounding shots or catching kicks or holding or any of that stuff. It's fine with me. You know, I, I got other things I can do. It. No, if, that's if, exactly you, if you really don't want to do this, yeah, that's fine. Just let me know because I, you know, I have to stretch my arm out, buddy. If I you, know, right? If you, you don't scratch my butt the yeah. day after, you know how hard it is to long toss yeah. our age. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know if I'll watch it. I had it in the queue. That was still it's good. 
I want to watch it when I can get the the whole. Uh, you know what we're watching on HBO Max right now, religiously, is the Julia Child bio series. Julia, is that good? Crushing it. It's good. I mean, we're semi foodies, so it resonates. My wife like that, so I'm adding that. While we Have talk. you seen Minks yet, though? Minks on HBO Max. Minks. It's about the the men's magazine version of essentially Playboy back in the 70s. Oof, be careful with that one. Be careful. Oh, no, I've got that because it's got that uh, it's yeah. got that uh, dude from uh, shoot, what's the show? That girl. Yeah, I think something it's got, like it's that. Got that guy. You know, this cast looks. Great. I mean, I like the retro nature of it, but the full frontal uh, is abundant and uh, can be a blow to the old ego if yeah, we're like, we're being honest. So you know, it can't be. Don't let it get to you because you can have one of those two. Those are not real. <laughs> That's what I've said, maybe, uh, during one of the the first uh, well, you know, one of the first episodes is I'm gonna yeah. have to go Dirk Diggler or something and prosthetic up, you know. Yeah, uh, that was the first thing where you saw Marky Mark and you're like, God, he is gifted. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. Yeah, you find out it's <laughs> fake. You know what I mean? Oh, jeez. Hey, I think it's time to get into the roundtable mailbag. Um, let's do that before we. Uh, get ourselves in a little bit of trouble here. Bama hoop season ask. He wants to know about this transfer portal stuff involving the Alabama Crimson Tide. Jalen Bridges recently on a visit to Alabama, the West Virginia transfer hails from the same old town as Nick Saban or the same area. At least I believe there was a meeting between the two during his time Bridges time in Tuscaloosa over the weekend uh, Bama hoop season, sort of pondering some roster possibilities. If Jalen Bridges comes on board now at last check, I think Bridges is reportedly at Baylor as we record this podcast. So it's not a given. There's some uncertainty with Javon Quinterly, uh, and his status coming off that knee injury. Is he going to come back to Alabama? Do you consider him as a guy that's going to move on? Essentially, Looking at some roster spots to fill here for Alabama to perhaps get to that 13 number, Tim. Yeah, you know, I think with Jalen, I think it's going to, you know, obviously, you know, again, you're right. He's at Baylor and went from went to Baylor from Alabama. Bama rolled out the red car, but did everything they can. You know, I think some people are going to have to adjust that when you're dealing with these transfers, it's, it's a different animal than high school kids. These are guys that have been through the recruiting process once. They could be jaded. They could be guarded. They're definitely more mature more experienced. I don't know if they're more mature or not, to be honest, but they're definitely more experienced. So looking for all that right fit. Baylor's obviously a good football. Sorry, they're not a good football program. Well, they are not. They're all right. My apologies, Dave Miranda. They are a good basketball program. So, you know, they're, you know, Alabama's competing with some of the best of the best. Um, I don't know what he's going to do. I think he's a good fit for Alabama. I think that if they don't get him, I know they wanted to add a wing anyways. They want an athletic guy that can fill it up, you know, from the outside and defend. Um, Quinterly, I was told, and I was sort of hesitant to believe it, but right after the injury, I had, I had pretty good source tell me that he was leaning towards coming back. And then his brother, you know, hit the portal, I believe the walk on looking for playing. I thought maybe that was a sign that, that he was leaving. And then, you know, you had other guys, uh, I mean, you had, um, you know, other, you know, other people were saying that, that he was leaving, he was staying and Nate Oates referred to the fact that he was probably, uh, possibly staying. So I think it would make sense for him to come back. You know, what will he be a hundred percent? I think it's the biggest question. 
Um, Alabama's obviously looking for a couple more, you know, guys to fill out this class and, and put this team together. Um, you know, a lot of the whole different change in that team, but you really want to blend that freshman group. There's a lot of one and done in that freshman group probably. So you really want to blend in some guys around them, um, veterans to sort of like, you know, ease that into the, you know, into that, uh, uh, into the basketball season, sort of help them push their way in. You know, you got experienced point guard coming in out of the portal. So you want to get some of those guys, those experienced guys around them. And, uh, you know, it could, could be a heck of a basketball team next year, but it's still some, you know, some questions. Yeah. If you added bridges by my math, you would have eight sort of off the ball players, wings, two guards, and then you'd have four front court types uh, with Betty Ako. Gurley Pringle coming in from JC and then the freshman Noah Clowney. So that would be sort of your breakdown. I, I think Bridges can stretch and play some at the four, but it sounds like he's maybe more comfortable at the three. And then you've got the Illinois state transfer, Antonio Reeves. that has been linked to Alabama average 20 a game last season while shooting 39% from three. But I understand Kentucky uh, to be very involved there with Antonio Reeves jr. So as we've said pretty much all along, Tim, you're going to have to be patient with this thing. And that that's knowing that there is a bit of a condensed time frame for this stuff to play out. But uh, guys are trying to make some some big time decisions here in the in the very near future. Hey, um, moving on here in the roundtable mailbag, Sig Tide one. We talked about Tyler Harrell earlier. Uh, he wants to know, Tim. If Harold commits, do we project him as a day one starter? I don't know. I think he's an impact guy. I don't know if he'd be a starter. I mean, there's a lot more than just running fast down the field in those routes. I mean, you can have a guy that, that, you know, anybody with speed that can catch, you can have, you got two routes for him. You know, you got, you know, especially with a quarterback that can sling it like Bryce, you can find a role. I mean, he, you know, depend on how he blocks, how quick he picks up the offense and all that kind of stuff. But I would say from an impact standpoint, definitely you could find two or three ways to get him on the field relatively quickly. You know, that's a guy with that kind of speed you can find, you know, you can find a bubble screen and a, you know, a slant or a, uh, you know, a deep seam route. You can stick that in. If you were playing on set, you know, this Saturday, you could find three passes to him. So, but the rest, the blocking, uh, the knowing all the other plays that running the routes and everything would be a little bit harder, but I'm not saying he can't, but I think that would be the question that, you know, you'd answer. Yeah. Uh, I think it's right. Pretty similar to what you wondered with Jamison Williams a year ago. And where you got to be a little cautious with that is that not every situation is going to be Jamison Williams as easy as he made that look as great as Bryce Young is at the quarterback situation. Maybe Tyler Harrell, if he goes to Alabama has that kind of year, I don't know. But I'm with you. I don't think you can just look at it from right here and say. I think it's a given that he would come in and be yeah, like this. And, I'm yeah. not, and what Jameson did was amazing. Yeah. And we have a tendency to think the next guy up can just do the same thing. Right. You know, it's like the rideouts when you had Judy and Ruggs and Smitty and um, who am I forgetting? Judy, Ruggs, and Waddle. When you had the rideouts, you just thought everybody was going to be the rideouts when they came in. But. I think time is going to teach you that is a, was an unbelievably special group. You know, Will Anderson, you know, I'll keep, you know, I'm not ever going to compare anybody to Will Anderson. I'm going to be honest. It's going to be, if Alabama gets another Will Anderson in Saban's era, it's really going to be a blessing because that's how special he is. 
Um, I just think some guys, you know, you can't run around. Everybody can't be the next Jordan, you know. Sometimes guys can be really good players and not be the next the next one. So Jameson is sort of you got to appreciate exactly what he did because it was unique and amazing, to be honest, what he did. No doubt. No doubt about that. Philly to Bama wants to know here in the BOL roundtable mailbag. How upset would you be if you were at the Dodgers game and they pulled Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw, through seven perfect innings, which is what, in fact, played out here recently? Tim, would that upset you? I, you know, I don't get it. You know, I'm sure there's a reason. I will say Kershaw's older. He didn't seem to have a problem with it. So maybe it is an arm maintenance. It's a long season. You know, obviously the Dodgers want to, you know, they want to, you know, they think they're competitors, you know, competing for a World Series title. You don't want to lose this guy. And he's missed a lot of time in the past, too. So I get it. You know, they were, you know, it's weird because at the same time, they, I saw in, uh, I don't know if you're following the, there's a Japanese pitcher. Have you, have you seen this guy? He's done 17 yes. straight perfect innings. That's he threw nuts. a perfect game. He throws eight innings in a perfect game and they pulled him in the ninth. They wow. The ninth, he had a hundred and some hundred two pitches. I think obviously you want the competitor and all of us, you want to do that. But also at the same time, you want to be smart. This is a 20 year old kid. You know, at the start of his career, I read where they signed him and sat him out a year just to let his arm mature another year, which is pretty amazing. You know, that that's really not what a lot of people are willing to do. And with Kershaw, you're on the flip side. You really want him to, uh, you know, you really want Kershaw to, you know, have a chance to, to throw that perfect game at his age. But do you really want to risk him getting injured? Because what happens if he comes in and he gives up, you know, he gives up a hit. Next thing you know, he's on the. You know, he's on the DL and his, you know, his arms are hurting or, or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's weird because he only threw 80 pitches in that game. Right. So, you know, I think that comes back. You know, he was cruising along in the, the Braves game last night before the Braves finally got to him and chased him, uh, chased him out of there. He still ended up with the win, I believe. But, uh, yeah, I'd be, I, yeah, I'd be pissed. I think Philly knows. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, in the answer. Even though he's thrown a no hitter in his career as a fan, you want to be there to witness history. And so from the fan perspective, uh, absolutely. Uh, there would be some disappointment pitches last night in five innings. Yeah. Do so you have to wonder how, I mean, that's a good question. And if he threw 87 and five last night, how did he not, could he not have started the eight and just seen, yeah. out, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. I think Phil, I know Philly well enough to know he definitely is irritated. That's he's a sports guy. That's where, you know, that's where we're at, right? Um, as you said, a little bit of an older pitcher and you're thinking big picture and uh, the money that's invested in these guys too. Um, the value of having that level of starting pitching, as we know, that's precious uh, at every level of baseball, but certainly uh, in the big leagues. Bama Kraut here in the round table at BamaOnline.com in the mailbag. Uh, he wants to know, he's got a question for us, um, where a scenario where you have to win 50, you have to go 15 games, you have to play 15 games to win the college football playoff national championship. And, um, what does a college team need to do to improve its chances of being healthy at the end of the year? Uh, two years ago, Alabama finished the national championship with a limping wide receiver and another on the sideline. Of course, that was Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith by the end of that win over Ohio State. 
This year, Alabama finished with two wide receivers on the sideline, uh, down two running backs, two edge players, two starting cornerbacks, and a center. Can you rotate more, maybe, is what Bama Kraut wants to know during the regular season to help with that? Or uh, is depth only helpful once you've lost a man? What personnel strategies uh, do you think can reduce the reliance um, of uh, having to to go to such young players and big spots. I, I think he kind of said it. I think he answered his own question uh, right there early, Tim. Just sometimes, no matter what, the length of a season catches up with you. At least that was my takeaway for Alabama during the 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, you had. I mean, I don't. I mean, Jameis Williams is is hurt on a uh, on a football play. Mechie's hurt on a football play. That could have happened in game one. You know, you can't really protect from that. I do like, I do, as far as developing depth, I do depth, I do like the fact you play younger guys early. Here's the problem, I think, for a coach, you know, for fans. If, I mean, if Alabama pulls, if they're up 17 points, fourth quarter, we'll say 20 points, they're up 20 points in the fourth quarter and they put in all the young guys. Well, the young guys make mistakes. They give up yards. They give up a touchdown. You got to hear this shit about how Pete sucks. Pete sucks. You know, you got to go through this every time. You can't have it both ways. Experience comes with making a – you learn from, from being burned. You learn from missing a tackle. You learn from getting pancaked or getting juked out of your britches. That's how you learn. So when you put those young guys in, you, you know, they're going to – the other team is going to get yards, and we saw that several times, several times, and we saw that held against the Alabama defensive coordinator, the Alabama defense. I still say you do it no matter what. I don't think you worry about the score – college football playoffs. I don't think you have to worry about style points. I think you play young guys um, as much as you can. I think you play them as much as you can, as much playing time as they earn. Sometimes these guys just haven't earned playing time. So I think you develop them to be ready. And then hopefully you won't get in that, you know, that, that, that shape for the national championship game. But um, you know, you have guys ready to step in because, you know, Hall, for instance, who left, he didn't get a lot of playing time before the national championship game. Um, you know, just sort of like an, you know, emergency situation, almost desperate trying to fill that role uh, for some of the guys who were down. So I think I'm all about playing young guys early. I'm, I, I love recruiting, so I want to see them on the field as much as possible. Yesterday when I'm watching the spring game, Saturday when I'm watching the spring game, last night when I'm replaying the spring game, I'm watching the young guys. I don't really care to see, you know, Bryce Young and those guys. I've seen them so much. I saw them in high school. You know, I've seen, you know, Henry Toa Toa is the same way. Will Anders, as much as I love him. I want to see what Tyler Booker's doing. I want to see what Jeremiah mm-hmm. Alexander's doing. I want to see what the new guys are doing. That's what I want to see. So, of course, I want to see young guys play every game. You know, Alabama gets up big and plays them every game and earns that playing time and gets that experience. Yeah, there's so much luck tied into it and understanding what a program like Alabama invests into you know, trying to avoid injuries and uh, how it goes about treating them. I mean, just look at the Sports Science Center that they've put up here in the last couple of years for more on that, just the the investment that was made from that perspective. You do everything you can in terms of prevention, and but the bottom line is math eventually catches up to you. You know, you don't hear about injuries as much with teams that play 12, 13 games. But if you go to that 14, 15 game level, uh, there's a threshold and whether you're Alabama or anybody else, 
uh, it's eventually going to impact you. And a lot of it, unfortunately, or fortunately, some years you, you get through it with, with some luck on your side. Hey, Tim, as we wrap up here in the mailbag, Papa Houndstooth uh, in the BOL Roundtable mailbag wants to know, with Steve Wilfong's recent crystal ball for Richard Young, do you think that has any impact or could it pretend on when Young will ultimately decide to announce his commitment? Will the crystal ball impact when Young announces? Yeah, that's the way the question goes. I think he may be asking, is it an indication that no. you think maybe a, a commitment people, could be coming from Young? No, I don't think so. I mean, Steve Steve and I are polar opposite with the crystal ball, and I respect the way he does it because Steve comes in and he sort of follows the flow of the recruitment. So when a kid visits Alabama, has a great visit, he talks to the people, he loves Alabama, Steve could easily crystal ball that kid to Alabama. I liked, and he could do it, you know, three weeks later, the kid could go to Texas A&M or USC, and he could do the same thing, following the flow with the crystal ball. So it changes a lot, which drives some people, you know, batshit crazy. Some people really get upset with it. Um, but I like it because Steve's keeping up with the flow. you got to understand the way he uses it. Me, I'm a, I'm the hammer guy. I'm making my prediction when the kid has taken – I'm not guessing in February – where a kid, just me, because I deal with just Alabama, Steve covers the nation. I'm not predicting a kid in February who takes one visit to go to Alabama because that's his one visit. Now, when he sets that date, I'm committing on, you know, Tuesday, March 17th, then then I really dig in, we'll, we'll dig in and make that prediction. Because once he sets the date, he usually has his mind made up. But I know teenagers, and I know, hell, I know adults. And I know adults, so they took all these visits, would commit to 10 schools as well, being honest. So Steve and I do it two different ways. I respect the way he does it. We kid around about it a lot. Steve's a great guy, uh, one of my best friends in the company. Even if I didn't like him personally, he's a hard worker. Uh, we give him a lot of grief. I mean, <laughs> poor dude dropped the Richard Young crystal ball, and his story didn't activate. I was at the doctor yesterday for a few hours. So before me and Steve were talking, I was realized, I realized, like, hey, your explanation on the Richard Young never dropped. He said, crap, my story didn't drop. Let me go and double-check it. So he dropped it, but we give him a lot of hell, but he does a, he does a really good job. Yes, he does. And with that, I think we're done here, Tim, on a Tuesday. You got anything else you want to add before we wrap this thing up? I don't think so. I think I'll save it for the next uh, podcast. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. Guys. Always next time. Always appreciate everyone joining us here on the Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the podcast? Easy as a click or two. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. And, of course, you want to be with us all the time at BamaOnline.com. Come hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. For Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, thank you again. And until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 